Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. So I am a really big sports fan. This is a great time of year to be a sports fan. Football is coming out of hibernation. I don't care if it's college or NFL, like football is awesome. Baseball is going around right now, and uh, I'm going to be honest, i got to give a shout out to the baseball fans. You guys are dedicated. There's about 700 games in a season, and I have never seen people take something so small and treat it like it's got such significance to it, like Talk to me in October when we get to the playoffs, and then I'll start watching baseball. Um, but I, I like golf. Watch, I can like watching golf on TV, like tennis. But there's, there's one sport. I love, I love NBA. Uh, can't wait for the NBA schedule to come out. But there's one sport that I'm just not interested in, uh, and that is soccer. I cannot get into soccer. You may call it football. Uh, I would call it football, but then we would both be wrong, and I don't want to be wrong. Uh, So it's soccer. And uh, here's the reason why I don't like soccer. I don't like soccer because there are so many fake parts of soccer. Uh, Here's the one that gets me the most. When a person gets injured on the soccer field, I've never seen a grown man cry, a professional athlete cry and whine like a soccer player when someone brushes them on the shoulder when they ride by. Here's what happens. When, when, when they're running down the field, like they could just get just brushed on the shoulder. They are going to violently throw their body in the total opposite direction, flailing their arms, rolling around, crying, and on the way down to the ground, they're going to choose which fake body part that they're going to have a fake injury on. They start with the knee, then they go to their shin, then it's their ankle, then it's their shin. They come back up to the knee. By the time the ref gets here, they have switched legs. Like it is not this leg that they fake injured. It is this leg. that they, And they're crying about it and being a big baby. And here's how I know that it's fake. Because the ref, a lot of times the ref doesn't buy it. And so the ref will, will look at it and say, no, that, that's not a foul. Like play on and the ball will go back into play. This same grown man, professional athlete that was whining and crying and flailing his body all around, not even able to move, grimacing in pain, will then, once the ref says no foul, he will jump up and sprint as hard as he can down the field to catch up with his defender. In fact, he may be running faster after the fake injury than he was before the fake injury. And I'm like, you got to be kidding, man. I've never seen that happen. It's, such, it's so fake. Like, and then when somebody does break their leg, you're laughing at them. Like you're pointing at him, you're like, stop being a baby, get up. And they're like, oh wait, you did break your leg. I'm sorry. I apologize. Mercy needs to be given to you. But here's the thing, like uh, it's just fake. Like I just can't get into it. I never know when anybody's being serious about it. Did you know that there are certain aspects of your life that you can fake? Even in your relationship with Jesus, there are things that, that you can fake. You can fake prayer, right? When we pray, if you just close your eyes and bow your head, everybody's just gonna assume you're praying. Um, you can fake Bible reading. Um, when, when we read the Bible here, you can put your Bible out on your lap. You can be, I mean, you don't even have to be on the right page, but everybody's going to think you're, you're looking at the Bible. And you can tell people that you're reading the Bible throughout the week, and, and you can fake that. You can, you can fake community. You know, you can go over to somebody's house and pretend like you're friends. And uh, you, can, you can fake a lot of different things. But there's one aspect 
of your relationship with Jesus that you can't fake. There's one aspect that even if you don't love Jesus, don't believe in God, you can't fake this, and it's this, generosity. You can't fake generosity. Generosity is a black and white issue. You can fake prayer. You can fake worship. Like You can just stand up and move your lips during the songs. Uh, You can even sway a little bit if you want to get crazy. You can fake Bible reading. You can fake a personal relationship with someone, but you cannot fake generosity. Because here's the thing, it's a black and white issue, whether it's with the church or whether it's with a a charity organization. Every quarter, you're going to get what we call a giving statement. And it is in black and white down to the penny what you have given to that charitable organization. So you can't walk around and say, yeah, I'm a like, I'm generous, man. Like, I'm, I'm, generosity is, is something that I'm about. Okay, well, let me see the giving statement. Listen, man, gen- I'm generous. You're just going to have to take my word for it, man. I am generous. No, it's black and white. You can tell me exactly down to the penny. I'm generous. Well, let me, tell me down to the minute. You can even, do, if you look back on your week last week, you can tell us down to the minute how many minutes you gave away to help someone else. So tell me, like, I'm generous with my time. Like, that's just, that's what I want to do. All right, so tell me last week, how many minutes did you spend on somebody other than yourself? Like, how were you generous? See, it's a black white. You can't fake it. You can walk around and tell people that you're generous all the time, but it is a black and white issue. You can, you can calculate the seconds. You can calculate the pennies, the exact dollar amount that can help illustrate your generosity. It's black and white. You can fake a lot of things, but you can't fake being generous. Uh, I believe that nothing in your life tells your autobiography more clearly than how you spend. If somebody wants to know who you really are, you can tell by how you spend. How you spend your money, how you spend your time, how generous you are. Not, not, not your words don't tell you, like you, you can't write your own autobiography any clearer than this. How you spend shows who you really are and what you really care about this week. So thinking this week, like you, you've probably never come to a worship experience here at Revo and heard us not say the word generous. I mean, we talk about generosity every week, whether it's in a sermon or we're singing a, a song to God about how generous he has been to us, or we talk about the generosity of our church and how we're meeting needs in the, in the city. Like this, this just, it's just who we are. Like you will not come to Revo a Sunday. We don't talk about money and generosity. Here's the reason why. Like I, th- I think I've, I've got it figured out. Generosity is not something that we do. Generous is who we are. Like you won't hang out at Revo very long and you won't realize that generous is who we are. And we're going to talk about who we are, right? If we're a generous church, then we're going to talk about generous and generosity. Like it's just who we are. And so as we communicate week in and week out about this word generous, you may be thinking, what does that mean? What, what do they mean when they say give generously? Or what do they mean by they say, this happened during the week because of your generosity? It's a word that we use so much. And so I wanted to look at what scripture specifically says about generosity and, and, and the fact that I believe that out of a lot of different characteristics that followers of Jesus should be described by, generosity ought to be in the top because of how generous Jesus was towards us, how much he gave to us, how much he sacrificed on our behalf. It just ought to show, if we're followers of Jesus, generous is is not just something that we do in the offering plate or something we put in our calendar. Generous is who we are 
as followers of Jesus. Malachi 3, 8 gives us a little bit of insight. I want to share with you three things this morning about what generous really is as it pertains to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Um, Malachi 3, 8 reads like this. It says, will man rob God? Let me pause right there. I'm not advocating stealing in any way, shape, or form, but if you were going to steal from someone, I would not suggest that you steal from God, okay? <laughs> that cannot end well for you. Like, you're, you're never going to get away with that. So, uh, steal from, don't steal from anybody else, but if you're going to steal from somebody, don't let it be God. And so, God, in his word, says, hey, will man, he asked the question, is somebody going to rob from God? Who is that crazy, right? Who thinks they're going to get away with that? Who thinks that is going to end well in, in their life? So who, who will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? Like, I don't remember breaking into your house. I don't remember pickpocketing you. I don't remember, like, when you weren't looking, I, I kind of grabbed something and stole something and stuck it in my pocket. Like, I, I stole a pack of gum at Walmart one time, but that wasn't in your line, right? So that was that self-checkout, and so that's not from you. Like, I don't remember robbing from you, God. How, how is it that you're saying this? And God says, well, I'll, I'll illustrate to you how you rob from me. It says, how have we robbed you? And God says, in your tithes and contributions, so how do we steal from God? How do we rob from God? God looks at our generosity towards him, at the tithes and contributions that we give. Verse 10 says this, Bring the full tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and therefore put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Here's what the first point that I want to help us understand is this. Generous starts with God. Generous starts with God. Scripture is very clear about where generosity begins. And the, the, the verbiage that he uses is bring the tithe, so this is the money that we give to God, our generous nature to God, bring it to the storehouse. Bring it into my house, is what God is saying. So, New Testament, New Covenant equivalent of this storehouse, this temple, this my house, is God, in essence, saying, when you give to me, give to me through the setting of the local church. Bring it to my house. This is my house. These people are on mission. They're doing what I'm calling them to do. They represent me. When you're generous, bring it to my house first. Now, above any other charities, above, like when you're driving down the road and you see maybe a guy holding a sign at the stoplight and you hand him some money out the window, that's, that's great. I can think of a lot of charities in this city and, and like worldwide charities that are great to give to. There are a lot of other things, offerings or ways that you can help people that we are called to give to. Like I get it, I'm not knocking all of that kind of generosity, but here's what scripture says. Your generosity starts with God. We don't say, you know, I'm going to give to this charity and, and not, I'm giving my money away. I'm being generous, but I, instead of giving to God, I'm going to give to this charity. Or instead of giving to God, I'm going to buy that guy a hamburger. Or instead of giving to God, I'm going to spend, like, I'm going to give towards a missionary. Or like even good things, Scripture says, start, the generosity starts in my house. So I'm not saying don't give to those other things, but here's what's going to happen. Too many times we will give to so many other things, and then when it's time to honor God with our money, we look down and realize, oh, I'm out. 
Ooh, you know, I already gave some money to somebody. Sorry, God. That money that I was going to give you, uh, I robbed you, and I gave it to somebody else. But it's a good cause, right? It's a good thing, man. I met a need. I went on a trip. I supported a missionary, right? I mean, come on, God. You got to give me a check mark for that. No, but Scripture says that's good. I want you to do all those things. But do you know where generosity starts? In my house. You bring your tithes and offerings to me. Bring it here to bring glory and honor into my name. So above all those other things, first and foremost, to fight this desire and maybe this tendency that we have to, it's kind of like we get to the end of the month and our paycheck's up and we're like, ooh, I was going to give God something, but sorry, God, you're going to have to wait till next week. Like I spent it on a lot of other stuff. Or sorry, God, I gave to some good causes, but I gave over here and, and to this person and I met this need in the city and I did this and and, and God, you're just going to have to wait. See, if we honor God first with our money, we'll never have to tell God no. We'll never have to say, sorry, God, I'm fresh out. We'll never have to, in essence, what Scripture says, we'll never rob God to give to other things, even if those other things are good. So we start out, number one, our first step in generosity is to understand that generous starts with God. It says, take your tithes and your contributions and bring them to my house, my storehouse so that more people can know me. The second thing is this, generous ends with more. Generous starts with God, and generous, number two, ends with more. This is how Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 states, this is King Solomon, the wisest, richest man that ever walked the face of the earth. This is what he says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and only suffers want. So there's, there's two types of people. There's a person that's really generous that gives, and Scripture says after he gives, he actually gets more. And then the person that has all their money, they hoard it, they don't give anywhere, like they're trying to figure out how they can keep a hold of their money. Scripture says in the end, they actually have less. And in the same vein, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, Paul kind of keeps this same uh, idea of farming and, and planting seeds. He says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let me get this straight. You, I need to give a disclaimer about who I am. Um, scripture says, if you give away more, you will have more. If you give away less, you will have less. All right, so this is Nathan. I went to public school in the state of South Carolina, and I made C's in math. But even I know that equation doesn't work. You, you can't have something and take away from it and then end up with more. That's just not how it works. You, you can't have something and then add to it and then end up on the other side of the equal sign with a negative, with less. That, how does that work? Like that, that math, is this common core math? Like, I don't know, man. Is this a new way of teaching? What's going on? How, how can you have more and add more to it and end up with less? But this is, this is the trait that Scripture is saying. Scripture teaches that actually generosity, your ability to let go and be generous with your money, just like a farmer sows a seed and throws the seed on the ground, just like we honor God with our money and are loose-handed with our money, open open-handed as opposed to closed-fisted with our money. Here's what Scripture promises. If you're generous with it, if you're generous towards God, then God will be generous towards you. 
Man, if you actually live a life of generosity, then at the end of your life, you'll realize you actually have more than the one that constantly was trying to grab at more money, the one that was constantly saying, I want to keep all my money. I want to I hoard it. I don't want to do anything with it. I, it's all about me. I want to I grab it. See, what happens when that's your attitude is there's a sense of want and desire that will never be reached. You'll never have enough. And if, if that's your goal, if it's just like, gimme, 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 it's all for me, I want to keep it, you'll realize you'll come to the end of your life and you will never have enough. God says, if you're generous with it, you give and I'll give to you. Live a life open-handed, and, and even in Malachi it says, man, I will make things happen in your life that you couldn't even dream of. I will open up doors. I will give you opportunities. I will bless you in so many ways. And we're not talking about just finances here. God doing incredible things in our life simply as a result of us being generous. So how is it? How does that happen? How can we say that less is more? How can we say that the more you let go to God, that actually the more you have in the end? Well, it's explained two verses later in, in verse 8. and says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Scripture says you honor God with your money. If you're generous towards God, here's what's going to happen. In all things, in all areas, at all times, God's grace abounds, and we will have everything that we need. I love the the New Living Translation of this verse. It, It reads like this, And God will generously provide all you need. Listen to this. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Like, is there anybody in here that, that like, is living that right now? Is there somebody in here that's like, you have so much money, you're just like, ah, I, like, I have so much money, I, I have everything that I want, and I can't get rid of it fast enough. No, that's not the story of our culture. It's we can't get it fast enough. We will never have enough. And Scripture says you honor God with your finances. If you're generous to other people in the name of Jesus, then here's what's going to happen. God's going to give you everything you need, and he's also going to give you everything you need to be generous towards other people, to hook other people up. I just I don't know anybody that's playing by the world's scheme of finances and generosity that just can't figure out what to do with their money. If you know them, let me talk to them. I'd love to introduce myself. Like, I don't know anybody that's just like, ah, oh, I've got so much money, I don't even know what to do. Do you want some? Here's $1,000. Like, I just, I just don't know. No, it's people saying, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to be able to afford this. I don't know how I'm going to be able to pay that. Oh, I'll, I could never have that. Like, that's just, a, that's just so far off, I'll just never be able to have it. But that's not the lifestyle that Scripture describes as the man that is generous to God. He doesn't describe that they'll be walking around all day worrying about how they're going to provide for themselves like so many people in this country are. They're not going to walk around mad because they don't have this or they don't have that or they want to give away or they want to do certain things. No, Scripture says, generous with God, he's generous with you. That's exactly how generosity ends with more. So there's, there's, there's three different ways, man. There, there's more, like more. Like, tell me what that more means. There's more for three different people in this text. The first one is there's, there's more for you. If you're generous with God, then there will be more for you. Scripture is very clear in this. He says, one man threw the seed out. He scattered it away. And what happened? He reaped bountifully. He gave away a little, 
and it reproduced into a lot. There was another guy that didn't give away any, and at the end of his life, he didn't have anything. It didn't reproduce anything in his life. So we've got scatterers, and we've got withholders, right? Even the two people that we have in this room, there are people that are generous, and they scatter, and there are people that are kind of stingy, kind of self-indulgent with their money, and they're, they're what we call uh, withholders. Now, here's what Scripture says. If you're a scatterer, then your life ends with prosperity. It ends with more, and it ends with increase, right? I don't know of anybody that says, when, it, when I describe my finances, those are three words that I don't like, right? No, we, we want more, we want increase, and we want prosperity in our lives. Now, the person that gathers and simply withholds, it says he will be in poverty, he will be in want, he will never have enough, and he will always be lacking. Is that not the financial story of so many people around us? Always in need always want something else, always trying to get to the next level, never have enough, never satisfied, never have what we think we really want when it comes to our finances. And this is, this is the sobering point that I understand from Scripture when we read this. Scripture says the only person that hurts from a lack of generosity is the one that isn't generous. <laughs> Man, it's so clear. It's so simple. The one that is not willing to be generous is the one that suffers financially. The other guy, the generous guy, the one that scatters, the one that gives, the one that lives open-handed, he's good. He's satisfied. He has everything he wants, and he has enough to share with his friends, and he has enough to provide for the needs that are around him. Anybody come up to him with a need, he says, yeah, I want to meet it. I want to help you. I want to give. I've been generous, and God's been generous to me, and so I want to pass that generosity on. It's, it's mind-blowing to me that the, the people that suffer the most in the financial area are the people that are the least generous because they're always in this desire for more. They always want more. They always are, are searching for this level of financial satisfaction. So Scripture is clear. The more generous you are with God, the more you have. The second thing is the more generous that you are, the more that God will end up having. Verse 11 and 12 read like this. He says, You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving in God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So here's what Scripture says. If you are generous, if you bring the tithes into the storehouse, then things are done in God's name, and guess what's going to happen? Other people are going to worship God as a result of your generosity. Other people are going to thank God as a result of your giving. God is going to get more of the worship. Here's, here's the breakdown. Let me give you an example. When we give to a charity, do you know who gets the credit for that? The charity does. Like, their name is made famous. The CEO's name is made famous. He gets to stand on stage and get, like, a glass plaque with his name engraved on it. Like, they get a pat on the back. Like, the board of trustees gets a, a lot of, of credit if a charity gives away a certain amount of money. But what happens when you give to the church? God gets the credit. Unless the church is being a jerk and they're trying to take the credit for it. But like when we give, we meet needs and it says, who's doing this? A bunch of people that love Jesus are helping you with this. Who gets the credit? God does. Who gets the honor? God does. Whose name is made famous? Not some CEO. 
<laughs> like not some board of directors, not some 501c4, not some political figure. No, God's name gets the glory. That's why it's so important. Like when we give here, God gets the credit. When we give here, God gets the glory. When we give here, we can meet needs. And who are they going to thank? Not some CEO, not some organization. No, they're going to thank God. This is a gift from God. Thank you, God. It's going to result in worship of God. So not only does generous give you more, but it actually gives God more. It results in worship and praise and honor for him as well. And then finally, Scripture tells us that it ends with more for others. We get more for others in verse 13. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission, flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Generosity, your generosity specifically means more for others. Here's what happens. We are surrounded by generous people. And this is, this is funny, generosity is very contagious. You ever notice that? When you're around generous people, then they start to set the bar. And they start to say, oh, well, if he's going to give, then I want to give. If he's going to be a part of it, then I want to be a part of it. And when you give, it helps other people be generous and give. And then they, like it starts over, it begins more for them, more for God, and more for others. And it's like a chain reaction. i got to share a story about our Spanish campus. Um, Pastor Salinas came up to me like, listen, they, they, they just launched in May. They say, what, how, these guys are killing it up there. He came up to me a couple of weeks ago and he said, Nathan, our, our service, man, we've really been inspired by the, the four services that you guys have, two downtown and two at our north campus. And, man, we've been, just, we've been hearing about what you've been doing, planning churches around the world and partnering with people to, to make Jesus' name famous and, and taking the gospel to places where it's never been. And, and he said, man, you guys, you, you planted a north campus. You got this Spanish service. You've done them in Cuba. You've done them in Belize and in Honduras and in Italy. And he said, I, want, I just want to let you know, and this is, they've only been open for four months. He said, our church decided that we were going to be a financial partner to a brand new church plan in Mexico City. Your generosity sparked generosity in others. Your desire from a young church, man, just, to, just two services meeting, speaking the Spanish language, they said, you know what? If you guys can plan a church and you can help us, guess what we can do? We can help somebody else. And they get, got a connection in Mexico City, and they're going to start financially funding this church, man. Your generosity led to that. Your generosity means more for you, it means more for God, and it means more for others. It's crazy, man. That's how less is more. That's how generous and you living a life, not close-fisted but very open-handed, means it will ultimately result in more. But the final point is this, and this is your, the time where you really have to wrestle with it, the time where you have to make a personal decision. Number three, uh, generous is personal. Generous is personal. Let me read the verse for you in verse 7, um, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Each one must give as he has made up his mind. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, this is the time in the service where you may think that I'm going to stand up here and say, all right, so uh, let me give you a percentage. Like everybody needs, yeah, I have a percentage, right? I'm going to get ready to tell you a percentage. If you don't give this percentage, then you're not being obedient, then nobody likes you, and, and that's fine, right? 
All right, no, let me give you a dollar amount, okay? Dollar amount, if it's below this, you're on your own. Like, God's not going to be happy with you, but let me just give everybody a dollar amount, and everybody write the check, or everybody bring it in cash, or you can go out to the giving kiosk, and here's the time where I tell everybody, right? That's not what Scripture says. Scripture says every gift needs to be between you and God. You ask God what he would have you to give. You ask God the amount. You ask God what the percentage is. The, 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 the communication that we see here is instead of, instead of demanding a certain percentage, you know what that creates? That creates obligation, right? And God's not interested in your obligatory giving. God's not interested in you saying, are you serious? I have to give to this guy how much? And it's like paying a bill, right? Is it $100? That's the minimum? Shoot. All right. Well, put a check mark by my name because I did it. Here, you loser. Thanks for taking my money. No, it's, the, the giving is not obligation. It is not, God said it, you got to do it, so pony up. Everybody pull their wallets out, right? No, here's the requirement that God says. Here, here's, here's the deal. Here's what he's looking for. God says, I'm looking for a cheerful giver. The requirement for giving, not obligation, not like crumpling all the bills up because you don't want to throw them in there and you're just like, ah, I don't want to give this, but God's making me do it. Not a certain amount, not a certain percentage, but God is focused on your heart. He says, I want to know your heart behind your giving. Are you cheerful? The word cheerful only appears in the Bible one time, this Greek word, and it's in this verse, and it's where we get the English word hilarious. Like, I can't even say the word hilarious without having a smile on my face, right? And that's how God, God says, when you give, that's what I want. I want to smile. I don't want you to be excited about it. You can't be mad and hilarious at the same time. You can't be bitter and hilarious at the same time. You can't be, give begrudgingly with a smile on your face at the same time. You can't fake it. And so he says, man, your, your motives, your heart, your attitude behind this, let, let's do this. Instead of a percentage, let me give you a word, cheerful. Instead of a base amount, let me, let me give you something that, to shoot for. Cheerful. Let me see your heart. And let me see the attitude behind your giving. Now, I, I'll share this with you. Like m- My family and I, we believe this at Revo. We believe in the biblical tithe. If you ask me what I think you should give, I, I'm, I say look at Scripture and start at 10%. That's what I tell people. You want to start giving, start at 10%. Now, here's why we don't like publicize an amount. Because that amount will then become the ceiling. I'll give 10% and I'm not going to give a dime more, right? But I share with people this. This is, just, this is just what we believe from Scripture. Start at 10% and let that be the floor. Don't let that be the ceiling. Let that be the floor. Start at 10%, honor God with that, and let's see what happens. Let's be generous with our finances, but ultimately, overall, let it be an issue of the heart. Come to God with an open hand full of generosity. Here's what I think. I believe this 100%. I believe, and this is why I give 10%, my wife and I give 10% and above. I believe that 90% of my money with me and God is more than 100% of my money with just me. I believe that. I believe God can accomplish more with my 90% and me being generous with my 10% than I can accomplish with my 100% without him. Generosity is personal. Man, spend some time saying, God, what do you want me to give? 
What can I give cheerfully to you? How can I contribute to you? How can I make this personal? God, how can I put you first in my life and in my finances? And God, show me how my one act of generosity can mean more, not only for myself, but God, for you and for the others around them. That's, that's the story of generosity that we get from Scripture today that I want to challenge you with.